All right, welcome everybody to another episode of 21 going on 77. Uh, I am one part of the duo. My name is Dwight. That's at 517-2214. I'm joined again for another episode with, you know, the young basketball prodigy, the brains of the operation. Um, Newly minted, might have to change the name of the podcast to 22 going on 77. (laughs) But my 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 co-host, my homie, young SJ at SJ Basketball Eight. How are you doing, family? Doing all right, doing all right. Back at it for another episode. Good, good. So guys, we're gonna we're gonna jump straight into it. Um main topic we want to kind of discuss because uh nothing really happened in Mavs world, probably I'd say within the last week. Since we put out our last uh, episode, so this one's gonna be more focused around. You know, we got a couple guys who only have a year left on their deal. Uh, you know, we got DFS, we got Jalen Brunson. So we're gonna just discuss those guys with what type of contracts we think they should get, whether they'll be Mavericks in the future. And like I was saying, if what type of contracts they should get if they do continue to be Mavericks. So uh, I guess person we'll start with first, we'll start with young Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, my guy, um, I think he got one year left on a deal that paid him roughly $4 million a year. He was underpaid the day he signed it. Um, I think Dorian is heading, I think this is his age 29 season. So young SJ, <clears throat> excuse me. What do you think? How you feeling about DFS? What type, or do you think we should make him a priority to resign? And if so, how would that bag looking like? Okay, so for Dodo, I think he should be a priority to resign. And that's for the simple fact that we cannot replace him. <laughs> like if, if he were to walk, because he becomes unrestricted in 2022. So if he walks, we have no cap space. So we're probably looking at someone for the MLE, but I don't think, or I'm not sure that person that we could potentially get could replace all the things that you know Dorian Finney-Smith brings to the team but at the same time you have to understand he's still kind of like a one-dimensional player at least you know kind of on offense so you you don't want to overpay but I think he's a dude that you you definitely have to resign even if he doesn't stay like a Mav for the rest of the contract that's still a tradable contract because him on $4 million right now, like it's, it's, it's hard to trade that contract and try to get the value you want back because dudes on $4 million contracts there, they usually aren't, you know, like they're like, they're not the stars of the league. I'm not saying Burnham Smith is a star, but his value at this point, we both know is way more than $4 million. So in terms of the contract, I think he's, I think he's like an MLE type guy and you can maybe give him a little bump up to 10 million per year. Just, you know, just because as as a Mav, you know, just to give him that extra money. So I could see like 
four years, 40 mil, you know, around there. And I, I think that's a good value contract for him. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, I looked it up real quick just to confirm. Yeah, Dorian turns 29 May of next year. So you, uh, what you'd be paying for in a contract extension would be the age, his the season where he's 29, 30, 31, and uh, 32. Uh, given Dorian's body type, you know, he's not a super athlete. He's a yeah. deep, solid NBA athlete, but I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, he's relying on his athleticism to get it in or to be effective. Um, I, I think that's fair. Uh, it, it's kind of ironic. I think Reggie Bullock would be a decent template for him. Yeah. Uh, he'd be hitting free agent a little younger than Reggie. So I think he'd get a little bit more money. He also doesn't have the injury history that Reggie has. So I, I, I actually think it'd be my estimated contract. He'd get in the market. I think it'd be a little higher. I probably lean you know, probably four for, and make that window between 45 and, uh, I'm sorry, between four, between four, four years, 42 and 46 million. I think that'll be more accurate to what he'll, he'll get. Um, and honestly, at any of those ranges, once you get to 50-ish, uh, or, you know, 12 and a half a year, I get a little nervous. You could probably talk me into that depending on how this season goes but I think the I think the most he's getting is 50 million where I would be comfortable as the Mavs or a team is probably between 42 and 46 because I think that's appropriate value for what he brings to the table um me and you have kind of ranted on the on the app on Twitter about it you know Dorian he, he's not a superstar but Dude, he showed up at every big game, and he's not scared. And you need role players. Well, let me be clear. He's not scared in big playoff moments. Like, Dorian's typically not going to underperform in the playoffs. I think this is the two years he's been a math in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure his numbers in the playoffs uh, out-indexed his regular season numbers. Yeah, I think he was close to, I think he's close to 11 points per game, and he's never touched double digits in the regular season, so yeah. I think he's like 11 points per and game. I think, I think he's, I think he hit 40% of his threes for the playoffs. Last both, season, yep. Both years, and yep. look, dog, like, when you look, talking about championship-level role players, that's all you want. That's all you want. Dudes that show up, dudes ain't scared. That's there's been a lot of teams whose stars showed up, but when they, you know, looking at you, Joe Harris, uh, when the money on the line, they've been a brick multiple years. Great regular season players, but in the playoffs, they a brick. I don't care what that percentage is. Looking at you, Maxi Cleaver, in the regular <laughs> season, I don't care what that regular season percentage is if you th can't throw it in the ocean in the playoffs. And I just know that's what I'm getting out of Dorian, and I think that's that's why he'll he'll get a little bit more money than I think uh, a Reggie Bullock in the market because because of a that he's a little younger and um, I like Reggie a lot he he was kind of he couldn't throw it in the ocean too much in the playoffs either but I give 
not to get off topic, but man, the Knicks don't really have spacing. And I really don't want to do the, oh, well, Luka makes every three-point shooter better. But, dude, Reggie was hitting 40% with dudes kind of in his lap. He wasn't, there wasn't really wide open threes he was shooting. And I think um, I, I think that might have had something to do why his numbers didn't match his regular season productivity. But I know Luka, I mean, not Luka, Dorian, like, he, he stepped up his efficiency and just – productivity in the playoffs so I think he's a go we need to re-sign him to keep it real with you during this dead period while we wait to figure out what the hell is going on with Dragic I think they need to go ahead they, that, 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 the deals we're talking about should already be in his lawyer's email I mean oh, yeah, it's, 100%. It's his agent's email we need to be announcing that so I can Maybe buy that jersey before the season starts because Dorian, Dorian can go. Yeah, hundred percent. But I was thinking, okay, so I think on the market, I agree with you. He could get more, but do you think the Mavs would give him like that much? Like, do you think he can? Because I think his his max extension isn't it like fifty five million or something like that. I think because uh, he's been a Maverick for so long, man, I think they could pay him whatever. I think they could pay him a max, like, not Luka money, but I, I think they give him whatever they want to because he's he's been a Maverick for so long. It, there's no uh, rookie scale or this isn't his. But then he's smart. Then he's smart was with the Celtics for a grip and he still had like a max number. You know what, you're right because it's a, it's an extension before I understand. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's 55 million. It's just okay. popping. I mean, I don't think the Mavs would give him. The, I mean, granted, 55 is a lot of money. So I don't think he's going to touch that much. But I mean, 42 I mean, forty six. I get a little weary about, but I that that's fine to me. Like I said, that's that's a tradable contract, and he's a little player that every team needs. Like yeah. they're gonna use him, you know. So I think Finney Smith definitely should be a priority, especially since you can't really like his contract right now is not really a tradable one in terms of trying to get back value for him. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> I think we agree there. So, I mean, turning to Brunson now. And to me, Brunson gets a bit trickier. So, I'll ask you, what what do you see Brunson's extension looking like? So, this is one where, you know, if... I, I forget what Brunson's max extension we could give him. Um, I do know that's not you know, with him being coming off his rookie deal, it, it would be a situation where I think it's four years. I think it's 50-ish. I think it's the same money you just mentioned. Uh, okay, like 55? Yeah, 55. I, I could be wrong, but I think it's it's approximately in that area, right? But the, here's the thing with Brunson. Brunson just turned 25. Shout out mm-hmm. to Brunson being an elite Virgo as well. But Brunson just turned 25, and um, 
I don't know. So that means he's basically hitting free agency at 26. And, you know, sadly, just how the game works is like, he's probably never, ever going to see that. Like, this is his last bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is last extremely big bag, and this is his only big bag. So, I don't know if he wants, I think he got to, he may have to ride it out. I don't know. He may have to see, look, I'm not signing an extension with y'all because this is the, this is my last opportunity to get a really big bag. So, I may, he may refuse all extensions. And then, like, because let me be clear, I, if his max is 55-ish over four years, I'm cool with giving it to him, even if, like you said, with uh, Dorian, that's a tradable contract. So if he doesn't want that, if he wants to ride it out, no matter how much you love him, then you got to look at trading him because you can't risk losing him for nothing. You can't. And he'll be unrestricted. There's no matching. There's no threatening to lower his value with the matching the co- matching's contract like others, like with first round picks. So you pretty much gotta give him that max con the max he can get. And if he doesn't want it, man, you gotta start you gotta start shopping him. Um, I'm not saying you trade him no matter what, but you have something lined up if the season starts and we're not looking like, you know, a top four seed, if we still fighting with for five through eight. I think you got to consider sending him, sending him somewhere for something that, you know, for an asset, if he doesn't want that money. So, or, yeah. or, or, well, let me take that back. Because the mo- if the most we can give him is 56 and, like, he wants 65 because this is his only shot to make real money, you know, you're going to have that be having those conversations with his agent right now. So, but if he wants like Fred Van Fleet money, then it's like, yeah, brother, we appreciate your time in Dallas and we'll bid you adieu. Okay. So I hear that, but here's the thing. When I think of Bernstein, especially for his role on the team, I'm thinking Gary Trent money. <laughs> I'm thinking like three years, 54, right? And that way he can still, when he'll be 28, you know, when he um, hits the market again. And that's that should be in his prime. So he could get another payday realistically if, if he were to sign like a three year as opposed to like, you know, a four year deal. But that being said, Brunson is... I think we can all agree he's not a starter on the maps. And to me, I don't think Brunson is much of a starter elsewhere. Like when you like, what was the team that was most connected to him? I would say during all of last season or the two teams, you would think Chicago. Chicago and, uh, yeah, and yeah, New York, right? New York, yeah. yeah, Chicago, they got Lonzo. So if Brunson goes to Chicago now, he, he's not starting. He's a bench guy again. Think of New York. They got Kemba. <laughs> They're not benching Kemba for Brunson. So he's coming off the bench there again. And with that being said, bench guards, like your market is kind of set. Like no one's going to overpay for a small bench guard. So to me, I don't think he has too many options unless 
he's really cool with getting like paid a lot of money to start on a really bad team you know what I'm saying so and even those bad teams they got a lot of good guards like OKC they have Shea who's the point guard and they just drafted Giddy another guard at six so if Brunson goes there he's not starting plus they have Teo Maladon coming off the bench for them like Brunson's not starting in OKC look at Detroit they got their guards in Hayes and um Cade even if they give up on Hayes they still have other guards that they you know they want to develop and so and Magic we're not even going to talk about the Magic they have like a million guards so um to me even the bad situation it's I don't see Brunson starting anywhere and that's the thing bench bench guards there's a limit to their ceiling in terms of what they're going to get paid so that being said I think three years, fifty-four million is a real good baseline <laughs> for what he can get. I I am completely okay with that. And if he's not, and he does want to test the market to get max value, I want I want him to be traded ASAP. And the thing with that is, he's making what one million, close to two million. That's not a tradable contract. So you're gonna have to kind of make a big splat. Like you're gonna have to put him with Dwight Powell's money, <laughs> you know, and hope. You know, you got to combine him with one of those bigger contracts yeah. on the team. You might you're even to get something you, good. You might even have to do, uh, like, you might have to go for Gusto and combine him with Dwight Powell and, like, Maxi. Yeah. Because I think even, like, who are you really getting even for $12 million, You know what I'm saying? That they might combine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that... Man, that's, a, that's interesting now that you frame it that way. I'm sorry yeah. uh, to cut you off. Please continue, but that's just oh, no. think like, damn, how do you trade Jalen Brunson at this point in the season? Exactly. You have to, like, you just have to combine him with something. And that's a bigger trade. And now that's, you know, drastically changing your rotation because that's your sixth man, you know, that you're trading and another rotation player that you have to trade. So you got to make sure you're getting something or someone like really productive back and and at the same time too Brunson he's gonna be like gunning for stats at the same time if he's gonna choose to bet on yourself route anybody who's trying to bet on themselves not saying that they're not gonna put the team first necessarily but you know they're gonna really want to play for their stats and Brunson already has, you know, tunnel vision issues. And I like to see him gun, like to to see him gunning. I don't know how beneficial that would be to the team. So, yeah, if he declines all extensions and he wants to test the market, I am on the trade Jalen Brunson train. Just because I I just don't want to, because teams are going to have cap space next year. And to be competing with all these teams, and having to potentially overpay for your own guard off the bench. That just, that's just a sticky situation to me. That's just a not ideal situation. So I would hope that they can come to an agreement. And like I said, like, and you said, that's another tradable contract, you know, down the line. So we'd have decent money in Timmy. Decent money in Reggie Bullock, decent money in Finney Smith if they extend them, decent money in Brunson, and these are productive players. So we can get, you know, 
we can get fresh fresh face if it if it doesn't work next season. That's that's money to get fresh faces on the team, which I I don't mind at all. Yeah, my and I, woof, Bronson gunning for stats is scary because it feels like he's doing that at times already. And yeah. um, I don't know, and, 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 but we say Brunson at, I don't know, 16 million is a tradable contract. My only fear, my big fear, let's say we give him the max, right? If he gets played off the court in the playoffs again, like I got in an argument with a guy over Brunson versus Kobe White. And I think Brunson is better than Kobe White. Pr- yeah. Probably going to be better than Kobe White is. But the reason why, like if Brunson for Kobe White was on the table and Brunson didn't want to sign the contract, I'd do it and I think twice is Kobe White for all his flaws is still younger. His extension, I think, is three years old. And he's 6'5". Like, Brunson, me and Brunson are the same height. And he's not even a plus athlete for a guy his height. So he's a 6'1 dude. So there's a, as good as he can be, there's a certain uh, ceiling on what he's going to be able to beat defensively. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get your opinion on that because I don't think we discussed it before. Like, I I think that'd be a, that's a hell of a what if, like, if Brunson don't want the money, you trade him for Kobe White. Do you think that's fair value? I think Kobe White makes such a small amount of money you could make facilitate that. So here's the thing. Yes, I do think Brunson at this moment is better than Kobe White. However, Kobe White, there's there's a path to him having a big season next season mm-hmm. with the fact that I looked at Chicago's bench next season. They don't have a lot of scoring off that bench. Like they just, they have a bunch of, you know, kind of random specialists. Like you have Caruso. Caruso is not a scorer. We all know this. He's a defensive guy. They have um, Troy Brown Jr. He's not much of a scorer. They have now they have Derek Jones Jr. Again, not much of a scorer. Um, can't think of too many else off the top of my head, but you get the point. There, not too much, too many scoring, so or too much scoring. So shots are gonna be there for Kobe White. And from what we've seen from his first two seasons, he's going to score the ball. Like he's gonna take a lot of shots. So there's a good path to him being in contention for six men of the year, especially if the Bulls are good. Um, I can see him if things go well, and this is on the you know optimistic side of it, I can see him nearing the 18 points per game mark. Now efficiency, I don't know how great that's gonna be because he's he's gonna take a lot of shots. So I don't know how great his efficiency is gonna be. But if you're looking at microwave scores off the bench, they're rarely efficient. You know, like a Jordan Clarkson who just won six minutes a year, he wasn't very efficient. <laughs> you know, we know he's a shot trucker. So you don't have to be like 47% from the field, 38. Like, no, you don't have to be like that if you're a microwave scorer. So that's fine. With all that being said, yes, I would take the chance of 
taking Colby over Brunson if if Brunson wants to decline all the extensions. If not, then no, I'm not. I'm I'm not really a fan of that trade. But if so, yes, I think. Not that I don't think he can hurt because he definitely can. Um, Kobe cannot develop the way we want him to, and he just become a bad trade, you know. Because yeah. then you know we he's gonna he's coming up to be paid in a couple years, and then it's like, are you gonna let him walk, or are you gonna try to trade him again? And then you would assume that his value is lower, so you're not gonna get much for him back. So then essentially you you would have traded Jalen Brunson for a bag of chips, <laughs> which wouldn't have been ideal. Right. So um. So it, it, it all depends on, like you said, if, if Brunson doesn't want any of the extensions that we offer. Um, but with that being said, bench, like I said, bench guards, there's a cap on how much they get. And with Brunson, you're talking about the playoffs and his performance. I think, and I might be wrong because there's no, we don't have any evidence to, you know, support this, but I think Brunson is depending on who we get in the first round I think he's he might grade out to be like a mostly like a first round player like I see him like you know doing well in the first round kind of like Benson is doing well in the first round and when it gets to the second round it gets dicey for him because you can stop Brunson like you know length Brunson is not good against length and you know you get it he's 6-1 like you said he's not an above um, average athlete for his size and he's crafty, but you put longer guys on him and you have a lot of length out there then it, it gets dicey for Brunson. And looking at the West, there are a lot of West teams with length, you know, the good ones, they all have length. Look at Lakers, very long team. The Suns, they have length. Um, you look at um, the Clippers, you know, they have length. So a lot of the teams that, you know, and even, I mean, the Nuggets, they're kind of weird now with no Murray, but, you know, slot, slotted Murray, that's a long team. Michael Porter Jr. at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, you know, and granted, they're not saying Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic are, like, excellent defenders, but still, like, I just think Brunson might struggle in the second round, or even if he doesn't struggle, he won't be as productive as you probably would want him to so I think if I think that'd be scary if we did make it past um the first round this season and he kind of just flounders in the second round because that is the that that's ruining, ruining his value too a little bit so uh, I mean I don't know I I just hope those two guys agree to our extensions so everything would be less messy um, because during the season, if, if someone turns down an extension, that, that's a little awkward, you know, and I know um, teammates will probably understand, but it, it, it looks a bit, I don't want to use the word selfish, because that's not the, that's, you know, has a negative connotation, that's not necessarily what I mean, but it clearly looks how it is, you putting yourself before, kind of like before the team. You know what I mean? So I would hope those guys sign extensions and we can all go into the season happy. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you. I think something that gets ignored for why the chemistry was so good and 
uh, 19 to 20 was they paid they paid everybody they yep. basically just paid everybody so there was no agendas there was no news was just there to play and um so we go into a season where you know guys gunning for stats a little nervous about where the money gonna come from and how they look I think you could potentially have problems, and I think if you just pay everybody, I think it can only aid in chemistry. Yep. And I wanted to ask, okay, so what is the realistic expectation for, like, this upcoming match season? Because I know we talked about them, you know, in the power rankings, but to really talk about what should you expect from them and what would be considered a success because um, I was, you know, we're in the honeymoon stage of the off season. Every team is, I mean, every fan of a team is, and every team to an extent, you know, you don't really see too many trades until a couple weeks into the season or maybe even month into the season because teams kind of like their teams. They're given the dudes they just signed or dudes that coming back, they're giving them a chance. But I'm a little, I like, the more I look at the Mavs roster, like, I like the lineup versatility. I still am a little weary of that starting lineup if they decide to go Luca, Tim, Block, Finney Smith, and Porzingis, just because I think we tried Finney Smith at the four for long stretches, and I did not like it. <laughs> like, the offense was good because that's a completely spaced floor, you know what I mean? And nowadays, teams are putting wings at the four, so it, it, it's not like Finney Smith every single night is going to have to guard up, but he's, he's skinny. He's a little skinny. And those stronger dudes at the four, even those, those wings, you call them, like, power wings you know like they're they're still strong Finney Smith's not strong I like it more if he put on like 10-15 pounds <laughs> I'd like that lineup a lot more if, if he had more weight on and I'm I'm worried about the rebound but whatever but the coaching change is kind of bothering me we downgraded like Kid, I, I don't trust him, first of all. And just talking about you know him as a coach, I, I don't trust him. I don't think he's going to be as creative as Carlisle. And I've been re-watching some of the Mavs games from last season. And, you know, re-watching them, you get a better... Um, it's obviously less emotion because you're not in the moment anymore. And you can kind of really, like, focus on what's going on. And Carlisle was very creative. As much as we... um you know, got on him for doing certain things. He, we all can agree he's a good coach. And he was very creative with the sets he would run. And sometimes it felt like he pulled, you know, something out of nothing. And, you know, the players get a lot of credit for this, but at the end of the day, it's the coach, you know. He... Yeah, I think Carlisle is a very creative coach. So I think Jason Kidd, don't trust them and I, I think we suffered a major coaching downgrade and as much as people like to think that it wouldn't matter too much I think it will I do think it will so I'm a little nervous about that what do you think yeah I think uh, I think Carlisle is one of the few coaches in the league in the regular season that with his coaching prowess alone and 
just being intelligent enough to exploit certain matchups, try things that are off the wall. I think he's one of the few coaches in the leagues that's single-handedly worth like three or four wins in a regular season a year. So I definitely think it's going to impact the team long-term. I just don't know to what extent. Um, I'm As far as Jason Kidd as a coach, not as a human being, because I have pretty strong opinions on Jason Kidd, the human being. But then again, people can change both ways. Maybe he gets better as a coach. Maybe he's learned. Something I always look at in the NFL with my football team, um, there's a stat where like, if a coach isn't competent within their first two or three years, usually two, but every once in a while there's an outlier that doesn't have it together until their third year, that typically says what they are for the rest of their career. Um, like if they're not a good coach by year two or three, they're never a good coach is, is the point. And I haven't dug into it from an NBA perspective, but if I if you had if I had to bet money, I'd say that holds up as well. So I, I really I'm a little nervous about Jason Kidd the coach. I am. I feel like there's perfectly logical criticism for what he's going to bring to the team, but at the same time, Monty Williams, you know, he he was never viewed as the bad human being that Jason Kidd was, but purely for coaching, I think his reputation um, as a coach at coaching effectiveness was probably around the same level as Jason Kidd's is now. People love Monty, but no one thought he was necessarily a good coach. And I think he was a really, really good coach this year. I, I don't think it was just throw the ball out to CP3 and those guys and it magically became a team that could get to the finals that had the best record, uh, well, one of the best records in the West. I think he was effective coaches. So I'm hoping Jason Kidd can have that same development path, but that's probably irrational, but it's just hope. Um, so I do think the coaching is going to take a step back. I, I just, to bring it back to your bigger point about like what's the realistic expectations for the Mavs, I think three to five seed, I think, in my opinion, I don't care what happens with Dragic, and I want to touch on that for the umpteenth time uh, here in a second. I, I think they, I think the expectation should be to win a playoff series this year, looking as, at the West as it's currently slotted and looking at the roster and the assets that they currently have. I think that's, I think as fans, we should be able to hold the, team's feet to the fire if they do not win a playoff series and no one gets catastrophically injured. Yeah, that, that's fair. I think they definitely need to win one. If they don't, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, now it's... Now you had two years' experience against a really good team. You weren't favored in those series, so it's understood why you lost. But going into year three now, you figure to have better regular season positioning maybe. So like if you're at the like bottom of the playoff picture, like six, seven, eight, and now you gotta see the Lakers or Suns or even Utah. I mean Utah's a little 
I would say the matchup, not saying it's 50-50, but I see a world where we can knock off Utah, but, you know, the Suns and, I mean, Lakers, I still think they're a bad matchup for us. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Lakers, yeah, I think they can be beat in the West. Like, if they were to go up against the Suns, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know, man. But us, definitely, yeah, we're, we're getting whacked. Um, but, yeah, so I think seeding positioning is very important this year for them. It's, it's extremely important for them. Yeah, they... Like, like you said, I don't, I'm not that high on the Lakers. Like, I don't think the Lakers are in the same category as the Nets. To keep it real with you, I don't think the Lakers are better than the Bucks. It's just my opinion. Um, but they, 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 their strengths are directly our weaknesses, and we don't really have any way to exploit their weaknesses. Um, It'd be interesting to see a Carlisle coach team go against the Lake, this iteration of Lakers, though, because I feel like he would, he'd be able to exploit that better than I think Jason Kidd would be. But I don't, um, I don't feel, I wouldn't feel good about the Lakers. So seeding is really important. It, it's, it's, it's going to be important as far as actually winning a playoff series. Um, I, I just, they just, they have to win a playoff series, and Jason Kidd can't. He can't run us back. He, we <clears throat> we can't we can't even let him get his sea legs again as a head coach this year. We gotta we gotta maximize, and I hope he has it together. Um, one thing I will say, I know a lot of people pack him up about after he got fired. Bud took over the team, and I think they've been a perennial sixty win team ever since. But at the same time, I think his first year. They literally had like the biggest or second biggest turnaround in like NBA history, or it, it was up there. So I don't think it's fair to pack him up for Bud making the team better in one year and not give him any credit for that other side, for him, you know, making the team better in uh, his first year. So maybe, okay. maybe he, I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's good this year and then makes everybody mad and they're upset the next year. But I, I'm hoping he does have, he's a change agent for the positive the second year. There is a, an objective basis of measurement that he can do it in his first year. Everybody might hate him and be pissed off at him as the years progress. But historically in his career, that first year, he typically does well. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I hear that. I hear that. But I agree with you. I still don't trust him either. Uh, this, that's more of uh, <laughs> speaking into hope as opposed to uh, um, something I think is going to happen. That's, I guess, optimistic Dwight coming out for what I, what I uh, something to where I can be optimistic, but there's real world evidence that it took place, right? Well, yeah, uh, that makes sense. But one thing I wanted to ask and something I was curious about was uh, like we touched on this topic, Mavs Twitter, Every Max Podcast has talked about this man a lot. I just wanted to address something I said on the pod last time. And 
I didn't realize it until I looked at their their books. Um, Sam, I think Dragic, I don't know if Dragic is getting bought out. I don't know the mechanism in which Dragic no longer plays for the Toronto Raptors. But that dude ain't playing for the Toronto Raptors. I don't think he's ever going to play for the Raptors. But the most he's playing is a week or two. He's going to collect a couple of checks. Like, I had no idea the Raptors were a tax team. Like, I feel like that just stuck up on me. Last time I looked at their books after the Dragic trade, I think was before uh, the Gary Trent and every Kim, and Kim Birch and all those uh, contracts had become official. So I didn't think they were in their financial situation that they're in. And look, I've looked into this more than anybody that doesn't get paid to do it should. Like teams with this estimated number of wins and estimated projection in the uh, NBA, they don't, they're not tax teams, right? So I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if it's uh, OKC still needs to uh, hit the salary floor and uh, Toronto needs to cut $5 million off their payroll to not be in the tax. So I don't, I think Dragic's out of there. I, I don't, if he doesn't get bought out, I don't think there's any guarantee he comes to Dallas. I think there's, it's very, very possible that he just gets salary dumped somewhere and then that team then trades him somewhere else. You know, this Ben Simmons stuff has me a little nervous because if he's going to, to Philly, he's going to play and he's needed. Um, so I, I, I want to rechange my stance on Toronto potentially riding that out, potentially just letting it go, seeing what we got. There's no way in hell they can let their current payroll happen and be in the tax start the timeline on being in the repeater tax for a team that maybe would be a play-in team and i think i think it's being optimistic that they're even a play-in team but what did you think yeah i mean i don't think the goal for them like you saw the Masai interview he expects there to be you know growing pains as he termed it and he doesn't really expect them to be competing like that. And I think, you know, I saw a lot of, oh, Raptors can be a five seed. They can make the playoffs without going through the playing period. And I'm like, how how are you looking at the team and, and the East and coming to that conclusion? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I could see if OG's like averaging 25, Van Vliet's like 24, Siakam's 25. Like, I see it from that perspective but come on let's be a little more realistic you know so with that being said i agree with you with the fact that they're probably not going to want to pay tax and not be a competing team so i mean you floated the idea of okc potentially getting like a pick uh maybe a couple seconds for him and then maybe trying to do what OKC, OKC does. We have his value to the point where they can get another pick, you know, for him yeah. to trade. And that get, that has me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie, because yep. OKC, they still, have to, they still have to take on salary to get to the floor, right? Yep. Yeah, so I, I see that as a move that could be made. But 
but um and maybe this is a little i mean i'm not sure because this was written the article was written in august even though it was released in september but tim tim from the athletic he still was confident that the Mavs were confident that they would get Dragic one way or the other. So whether it's buyout, trade, or whatever, Mavs were still confident that they were going to get Dragic. But like I said, this was written in August, so I'm not sure how things have changed because we're pretty much close to midway through September at this point. So I feel like October, when October starts, we're going to get more we're going to get more of a sense, you know, like after training camp, we're going to get news out of training camp to see if Dragic is an active participant, not saying he won't report, but you know what I mean? Like to see how involved he is with them. And two, a lot of salaries can be aggregated. So like Moses Brown, he's available for trade. What if that's who the Raptors were waiting on was uh, Moses Brown, even though I doubt it, but you know, like, and Moses, FYI, um, Tim also believed that Moses probably won't be on the team. Oh, really? April. Really? I, yeah. didn't, I, I didn't read it. Wow. Yeah, it was the third installment. He was looking through the Mavs roster, and it was like he had Moses Brown as the 15th man, which I've been saying <laughs> like this whole time, even though people were telling me that Moses Brown should start, but that's a whole different conversation. But Tim rightfully evaluated him as, you know, one of the end of the bench guys. And he, he did, yeah, he doesn't think Moses Brown is going to be on the team <laughs> come April. And I didn't think so either. <laughs> so I know people want to hang on to him for potential, potential and all that. But, like, they have to understand we're not, like, we have good players, but it's not like we're some super deep team with, like, amazing players. We're at the point where we kind of have to win and, like, Banking on potential from a guy that they didn't even want in the first place is is a little naive thinking. Is yeah. I think it's naive thinking. Yeah, I, I I'm cool with Moses being on the team one way or another, but I'm packing him up for Dragic and without y'all, <laughs> you follow me on the timeline. Dwight Powell, Maxi, um, hell, any of the 2020 guys. Josh Green, Ty Terry, I don't give a damn. Like, Dragic can play, and I don't know if those dudes can in a playoff. Josh, like, I'll say Josh Green is the only one I'll be really hesitant about just because I want to see him with one more season (laughs) and actually playing. Tyra Torrey can go. Terry can go. (laughs) Yeah. He can definitely go. And I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm probably overdoing it. I can see that (laughs) just because. I just think Dragic is good. It's and this is just in pure analytical basketball sense. I think he fits the team need. I know he's old. I know he's all every. I know the flaws. I know he's gonna miss twenty games in the regular season. I don't care. I just know when the goddamn bullets start flying in the playoffs. I know he's gonna be there. And forget being Lucas' friend. Forget and he can dribble. And he create his own shot. And he's not scared. And he's not like everything we needed in the playoffs last year he's it and i just want him on the team and the rest of that stuff i don't think your moses brown your todd terry's i'll be honest josh green i could be wrong y'all because josh green is is a really good athlete is really i I think i don't think josh green is going to be out the nba 
no matter what happens. In that. Oh, no, no. He's like, gonna I, he, he'll be a player in the league mm-hmm. for 10 years. One way, I, by hook or by crook, Wes Wando is still in the league, and I think this mm-hmm. is was this year six for him? Yes, or seven, maybe. Yeah, six maybe. Or seven, I six think, or seven. Yeah. So if Wes Wando is still collecting checks, Josh Green will still be collecting checks. So I get... I could be wrong about Josh Green. I hope I am, because I actually like dude. But I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dragic, and I think he's going to be available. Uh, my, I think the nightmare scenario is if they do trade for Ben Simmons, because, yeah, I don't think Dragic is going like, to be like, I don't want to play in Philly. He's going to be like, wait, is me and Pascal added to Philly? Yeah, sign me up for that. I'll, I'll run with these boys this year, you know? Or oh, me, yeah. me and OG, or me and I don't know whatever. Like if he gets to Philly, they they need his ass, and he'd play well there. And I don't think he's leaving. Um, another nightmare scenario that I think is on the table that now that I've dug into the numbers, it's like, dude, if he goes to OKC, OKC is not gonna buy him out for what? They gonna go even if they, you know, because uh, I think. Toronto doesn't have any leverage when it comes to Dragic. That's everyone knows it, right? You know, Raptor mm-hmm. fans are in total denial about this, dude. I, I, I'm I don't have a big account by any stretch of imagination. I got like 475 followers, but the only fan base that's ever jumped in my mentions during my time on NBA Twitter is freaking Raptors fans. They. I, I don't, it's not a whole lot of them, but it's like four or five that every time I talk about Dragic or the Raptors, I, they don't follow me. I don't follow them. They jump in like it's the deep end of the pool telling me I'm crazy. And there, I think a lot of them are in denial about where the Raptors are at. One dude flat out told me they are definitely a play a playoff team. Another yeah, dude. outright, yeah. yeah. Someone told me they're a playoff team outright. Yeah, another dude was like the Raptors... You know, the, I, I hate to admit this because I don't get paid to do it, but I dug into like the Raptors ownership structure and there's a single rich guy that's like owns 25% of the team and the rest of the team is owned by like two big publicly traded corporations. And my whole thing with why they won't be a tax team and why and Raptor fans tell me I'm crazy is like, because the Raptors and like the there's a corporation called MLSE that owns the Raptors. They own the Toronto Maple Leafs. They own their uh, Major League Soccer team. Basically, every sports team in Toronto except the Blue Jays is owned by this entity. That entity is owned by one really rich guy and like. Uh, Bell Atlantic, which is the phone company of all of Canada, and Rogers, which is the cell phone company of all of Canada. Those are very, everyone involved is super rich, but the two big companies are publicly traded entities. And not to bore people with this, but they can't, like, I'm pretty sure that company that owns the Raptors and Maple Leafs with no fans in the standing, no fans in the building, and with the Raptors having to pay staff to play in Tampa and players and everything, pretty sure they lost money. 
So because those companies that own the Raptors are publicly traded, they can't just spend it. They're not a rich man's toy. They're an, they're an investment for a company. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they're not, they're not just a rich man. Okay, I'll just spend it because I want to. And they're very profitable. They always have been. And that's why they spent money. Even, you know, they've made deep playoff runs. We haven't seen, I don't think a company that had a team that's essentially owned by stockholders is going to be like, yeah, we're paying the tax for, for, they're not going to be able to go to the stockholders and say, yeah, we did this because we wanted to get second round picks. So we kept Goran Dragic and paid $5 million in tax payments for some second round picks. This just doesn't make any sense. So that's why I'm, like I said, I don't know if it's a buyout. I think a buyout is on the table. If Goran, honestly, if Goran left $8 million on the table or was open to that, that could be what the, what negotiations are happening. I think Goran would be out the paint. I don't even think they try to trade him. I think they just, I, I think they would just pack him up and ship him on his way. I really do. Um, I, I think because that gets them off the tax, saves them, you know, that $8 million, which, you know, the, the tax is dollar for dollar. So that 8 million, so they're 5 million over with their current roster. So if Drogic takes $8 million haircut, that's $13 million of real cash money um, that they would save by buying him out like that. Like, Dude, I don't know. I, I've been digging into trades for like second round draft picks. Fam, Milwaukee traded the 31st pick, which is damn near a first round pick, yeah. for 54 and 60. Like, and just to not to get too deep down the rabbit hole, but like, you know, our second round pick that we traded for JJ Reddick, we, that was sold for $2 million. So mm-hmm. I say all of that to say that what are you really getting for Goran Dragic, right? Maybe a second round pick, maybe two. So that's, you can buy two second round picks for like $4 million. So you're not going to pay Goran Dragic $19 million and a $5 million tax payment for the opportunity to get some second round picks. Does that make sense? Yeah, and there's no, I, I read, there's no market for him. Yeah, like, there's there's yeah. absolutely no market for him, so. Yeah, because you got to think about it. Raptor fans, well, a contender will trade for him. Well, go look at those contenders. Go look at even fringe contenders. Go look at the contracts they have on their books and show me a trade that makes sense where they don't have to gut their bitch for one Goran Dragic. It, there's, there's no trade out there. Like, everybody exactly. the Lakers got don't match salaries like literally every player on the Lakers bench except for Talon Horton Tucker doesn't add up to what you would trade Goran Dragic for and you kind of look in, you look at the uh, Nets kind of the same thing you just go on down the the <laughs> go down the list of quote-unquote contenders it's like none of them dudes is trade for Goran Dragic they, they can't they don't have matching salaries exactly. that makes sense and Toronto ain't gonna want some of that shit coming back. So here we are. Yeah, it'll be interesting to track over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, but 
that's and tailbone hydrogic uh actually there's a, a official transaction involving Drogic. i'm committing to not talking about him ever again i know you're tired of talking about him the hundred people that listen to this podcast are probably tired of talking about him so i'm not doing it i just want to clarify because i i didn't do i'm usually on top of this stuff but i had no idea they had damn near a top 10 payroll like the Raptors are spending it for a team that might be a bottom five team in the league next year. But I almost say bottom five. Let's go bottom six or seven. Yeah. So that's it. Um, that's, that's everything I got. Did you have anything else you want to muse on? Nope. All right. Cool. So um, I don't know if we put this in earlier, but young sj's birthday was yesterday i know we said she just turned 22 but she uh my homie's birthday was yesterday so anybody that's listening to this shout your girl out give her some love she uh she catching up to me in age (laughs) yeah i already feel the arthritis feel that arthritis in the knees said damn baby let's go that's what i like to hear it's not arthritis oh it's uh it's tendonitis. If you a hooper, yeah. you, you get that tendonitis as you get my age. It's called jumper's knee. Uh, but I never had bounce like that. So how I have jumper's knee is a whole different question. But anyway, thank you all for listening to this. Um, I'm the old man of the crew. My name is Dwight. That's 517 uh, at 517-2214. I'm here with the brains of the operation as I always am. That's uh, Young SJ at SJ Basketball 8. And we will holler at y'all later. Thank you. Peace. Peace.